This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All the stuff that I've been suffering under, I'm going to give it to you, but, but what's next? What's next? When I sit down with people who are struggling with their spiritual lives, one of the most common questions that I get asked is, how do I know what God wants for me in my life? How do, how do I know? How do I know God's will? How do I know what God wants me to do? And really, that, that question is oriented around decisions, right? It's choices. It's, it's, it's often, a, uh, I'm dating this guy, or, or I'm considering this job, or I'm trying to figure out what to do with our house. How do I, how do I know what God wants for me? So today, what I want to do is just kind of give you the big idea for this, and then we're going to dive into this. big idea for today is this, that the decisions we make today determine the stories we will tell. The stories our lives will tell. The, des- the decisions that you're making today, that you make today, are, are, are going to have lasting impact on the stories that your lives are going to tell, even into the future. Some of us don't like that because we don't even like making decisions. How many of y'all hate making decisions? Right? You ask your, like, your wife, hey, where, where do you want to go eat? I don't know. How many of y'all have ever gotten an argument about where to go eat before? Right? 1,800 places to choose from, getting an argument about where to go eat, right? Just the way it works sometimes, right? Decisions can be stressful. And for many people, uh, psychologists label that, that it's, it's really one of the most stressful things that we do on a regular basis is making decisions. Some of y'all have made some decisions that you regret. Some of y'all maybe have handed off a beverage and said, hey, y'all watch this. And then you go there and then you look back and you're like, that was dumb. I can't believe I did that. Right? All right. So sometimes we, we make bad decisions. Some, sometimes we look back and we're like, you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't have dated that guy. And I, I shouldn't have bought that car. Or, man, I shouldn't have eaten that cookie. I was staring at that package of Oreos for 15 minutes and just, you know, part of me wanted to and then part of me was like, please don't and part of me wanted to and some of y'all were doing that last night, right? Came midnight you were hungry and there was Oreos and you're struggling with that okay, some of y'all was, that's actually me it's my story personally okay but see the thing is is that, that decisions are even more complicated today, I mean we, you go back several years and and, and, and even let's use cookies. Cookies was like going to, to Subway. There were like four, four different kinds of cookies that you could choose from. You had like Oreos and Chips Ahoy. And maybe if your parents were like a little weird, you might get some pecan sandies, okay? But that was about it. Right now, there's a whole aisle in the store dedicated to cookies. And in our lives, this is really something that we're starting to see emerge in modern culture, that we're overwhelmed with options, overwhelmed with options. And many of us want to write the right story. We want to make the right decision, but there's so many options that we can't decide. Psychologists actually call it choice paralysis that there are so many options available that we become paralyzed and we don't make 
the right decision. Sometimes you just sit there and you're, you're, you're frozen in fear and you're panicked. But you don't make a decision at all. And, and actually not making a decision when you need to make a decision is still a bad decision. Should I keep dating this guy or should I break up with him? Should I take on this new job or stay faithful to the one that I've had? Should I take this information and make it public or keep it private and seek reconciliation? Should I go to this school or go to that school or go to this school? Should I marry now or should we keep dating for a little bit longer? Should I put my kids in dance or in soccer or get them in piano lessons? Should I major in business or should I major in pre-med? Should I have kids? Should I have more kids? Should I get a vasectomy? All right, should I buy a car, right? Or should I keep the car that I've been driving? There's a, a th- just this whole litany of decisions that we face all the time in life. And those decisions, we, we, we don't see this. But the reality of those choices that we're making, they're laying a foundation for your life. It's what you're building on. And if you're going to build a life worth living, you have to start with the foundation. And let me say this. Jesus has provided everything we need. There's nothing that we need that we lack in. Every victory has already been won. But this life that he purchased for you and me, comes assembly required. And we have to put together this life. We have to assemble this life. We see this as Jesus teaches about foundations. Because in the building of a home or a structure, you can mess with anything. You can put a window wherever you want, a door wherever you want. You can put light fixtures wherever you want, but you cannot mess with the foundation. Jesus teaches in Matthew 7 on this, but anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Notice that wisdom is defined there by Jesus as somebody who hears him and then does it. There's a lot of people that just hear and know but never do. That's not wisdom, okay? Listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. The rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, but it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. It's built on a good foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come, the winds beat against that house, it will collapse in a mighty crash. Just notice that there's a difference between listening and hearing. There's plenty of us who have heard things and we know things, but we haven't put them into practice. And God says in this passage that those of us that have heard but never put into practice are foolish, but those of us who have heard and listened and put it into practice are building on a foundation. We are assembling The life that God paid for you to have in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In our obedience. And so today what I want to do is I want to help you focus. 
as you begin to take the, the next steps in your, your journey of following him. If you're taking notes, the next thing is focus on who before do. Focus on who before do. So many of us get caught up in the decisions and the doings that we forget this reality that God is more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. God is more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. This is where we blow it as parents. Let me just be honest, okay? If you're a parent in here, it's very easy to focus on our kids' behavior, okay? I can make a kid do anything I want them to do. I have enough duct tape, okay? Give me enough duct tape, and I can make them sit there and be still, even be quiet. It won't be safe, okay? I'm not saying I have experience in this at all, okay? But we don't want to parent their behavior. We want to parent their heart. Because out of their heart flows their behavior. And so it's not really about their behavior. Because this truth applies not just to our kids, but to us. That God cares more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. See, God's will is already spelled out for you. Some of y'all have been seeking, God, just show me your will. Show me your will. Show me your will. I just need to know. I need to know. I need to know. Well, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says it this way. God's will is for you to be holy. God's will is for you to be holy. You don't have to look anymore. Right there it is. Holy in the original context means to be set apart. It actually could be to mean that it's from a different world that it is otherworldly, that its purposes are not found in this world. That, that is your calling. That is your purpose. To be holy is really to be like Jesus. See, the Bible never specifically addresses your career. There's not a verse in the Bible that says God wants you to be a teacher. God wants you to be an astronaut. God wants you to be an engineer. That's not in the Bible. Those are actually what we would call a secondary calling. Our primary calling as Christ followers is to be like Jesus. Now, am I called to be a pastor? Yes. I distinctly remember that moment. Did I receive a calling from God to come back to Albemarle and plant this church? Yes, I distinctly remember those moments. But those are secondary to me being somebody who's becoming like Jesus. I can remember about three months in, before we ever launched, before we ever had a big launch team, and we were about three months in, and I was driving down the road, and I was dealing with this tension of something we were trying to do, and along the way, like something just broke in my heart. And I started crying as I was driving. And I realized, God, this is not about a church. It's not about a church. It's about me and you. And me just simply being obedient. And if you can do something in me, I know that you can do something through me. Because that's how it works. God is more concerned 
with who you're becoming than what you're doing. You see, I could be the best preacher in this city, but if, if I was abusive to my kids, I'm totally missing the point. I could be an amazing, charismatic leader, but if we were financially not being responsible as a church, if we weren't paying our bills, if we were neglecting people that we owed money, that wouldn't be ma- like ma- hitting my calling, meeting the highest calling of being like Jesus. For many of us, like the confusion has been in there. So the questions have lingered. Like, should, should, should I marry this person or should I wait? The answer is simple. Be faithful to Jesus. Should, should, I, should I take this job or, or, or should I stay faithful and stay in the job that I already have? The, the answer again, simple. Be faithful to Jesus. May, maybe I should... Maybe, maybe maybe I should major in, in elementary education or or maybe I should major in, in pre-med. I don't, I don't know. The questions linger. But the answer is simple. Be faithful to Jesus because God is more concerned about who you are. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. And some of us, this is such a radical, radical concept because when we've talked about God's will, it has always been around doing. It has always been around what we do. The the doing that happens in our life is the outflowing of being. See, if you're becoming the right who, you will choose the right do. If you're becoming the right person, if you're continuing to pursue God and make decisions that are leveraging you to become the person that God created you to be, you're going to choose the right things to do. So we need to learn to focus on who before do, and we need to focus on why before what. We need to focus on why before what. Here's a brutal reality that is hard and many of us don't like, but it's true. It's that your motives matter. Your motives matter. Why you're doing what you're doing matters. Because so many of us can get off on our motives. And here's what happens. You do the right thing with the wrong motive, you know what happens? It becomes the wrong thing. Maybe you start giving, but you start giving with this bless, with this kind of intention of if, if I give, like it's going to force God's hand to financially bless me. And so I'm going to give, and I'm going to give generously because if I do that, God's going to bless me. Wrong motive. The wrong motive becomes the wrong thing. Maybe you're that person, and there's somebody that you need to forgive. And you go, you know what? I'm going to forgive you because the Bible told me to. Right? Wrong wrong motive. Right? Wrong mo- Right thing to do. Wrong motive becomes the wrong thing. Some, some of y'all have shared um, prayer requests before. <laughs> this is so funny because it happens in every church. Hey, um, did you hear about... Uh, so and so, 
yeah, did you see what happened to her? Like it was just, it was all over Facebook. My friends were posting about it. We need to pray for her. What happened? Give me some detail. What do you know? Right, that's the way that we do things sometimes. And we'll, we'll spiritualize it and say it that we're, we're sharing a prayer request, but really what we're doing is gossiping. The right thing with the wrong motive becomes the wrong thing. Look at Proverbs 16.2. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Let me, let me just leave that up there and let me spend a moment on that. In other words, you, you, may, you may think that you're doing things that are right, the, the right thing, but God is looking past what you're doing to your motives. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about doing the right thing for the right reason. So God is looking through and trying to understand. God sees our hearts, understands why we're doing what we're doing. And I've come to understand this, that there's two reasons why people do things. There's the reason that they tell you, and then there's the real reason. Oh, there's the person that, you know that person that's like, yeah, you know, I just, I, I'm constantly involved in my kid's life. I email their teacher every day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly checking up on their homework and, and how they're doing in school. And, and really, it's just because I'm a concerned parent. No, you're not a concerned parent. You're a control freak. That's the real reason. You know, I just, call my, I just call my spouse all day long. I'm just trying to figure out where they are. And the reason is, you know, I just, I just care about them. I want to make sure that they're safe. No, no, you're a control freak. There's the reason we say, and then there's the real reason. And the reason that this is so important is that you can't get to the right place starting with the wrong motives. You can't get to the right place starting with the wrong motives. And here's, here's just a truth that we all need to embrace. We need help with this. We need help. We need, somebody, we need people to be involved in this process. We need people to speak into our lives and help us with this. Number one, we need to constantly pray and ask God to search our hearts. Because we don't get this sometimes. We don't personally. We need some help. I love this prayer that David prays in Psalm 139. If you're starting to grow a, a devotional life, one of the regular prayers that needs to be a part of your prayer life is, God, search me. He prays this prayer. I love this. God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in a way that is everlasting. If we pray that prayer, here's what happens. Occasionally, we're going to go through tests, and God's going to show you the things that are in you that are offensive to him. And it's an opportunity for you to take the next step in that journey towards righteousness. We need to constantly pray and ask God, search my heart. But number two, we need to invite people to speak truth into our lives. I love Brennan Manning. One of the best books that you could probably ever read is a book called The Rag Ragamuffin Gospel. It's, it's just a, an amazing account of his story. Brennan was at one time an alcoholic and homeless and became later uh, a minister and just had such an amazing testimony and perception of God's grace and faithfulness. And he said this. This is so powerful. A person who fully knows himself is a impossible to offend. They're impossible. He said, he said, if you were to come up to me and say, Brennan, you're a drunk, he said, I would agree with you. 
And I would look at you and say, I'm a drunk and I've been 20 years sober. But if you were to come up to me and to call me other names and to make other accusations, it wouldn't offend me because I know myself and I know that that's not me. A person who fully understands himself is not able to be offended. The areas where we are often offended are areas where we're not being honest with ourselves. And we need people around us who are willing out of love to speak truth in areas that we don't normally get it. We need people who are willing to step in and who are willing to risk offending you to help you see something that you cannot see in yourself. Look at this verse. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Look at that. Leave that up there for a second. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Filled with faith. Faithful. Filled with faith. I believe in you. You don't have to be this way. I continually see you sabotaging your life over and over again. And so what I'm going to do, I believe that you don't have to be that way. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to stay hurt. You don't have to always default go to that decision. You don't have faithful are the wounds of a friend. But many of us don't want friends. We want people who just tell us things are okay, and it's okay to be the way that you are even when it's not okay. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. We need friends who speak life into our lives and help us see things that we can't see on our own. So maybe you're thinking about, should should I buy this car? Should I buy this car? Think about why. Why do you want to buy that car? Do you need transportation? Are you trying to make a statement about yourself that you can't afford to make? Maybe you're processing and thinking about posting this photo or this thing online. Stop and ask why. Is this going to honor God if I post this? Or is this going to draw unwanted attention to myself. Maybe you're in here today and you struggle with people liking you. And you make decisions based out of fear of people won't like you if. Why? Why are you looking for validation in the opinions of men? Are you looking for people to envy you because? Why? I love this verse out of Colossians. Look at this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, wherever you are, however it happens to fall into your lap, do it to the best of your ability and do it in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Today, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're up to your neck in diapers, I just want you to understand, do it for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God. Maybe you're just a fry cook today. Minimum wage job at a fast food restaurant. Be the best fry maker in the whole chain. Okay? Because all of us know when we've had some good fries or bad fries. How many of y'all hate getting bad fries? I hate getting bad fries. Okay? Be the best fry maker that they've got. 
do it for the glory of God. Maybe your boss is a jerk. If you're an employee of the church, please don't raise your hand right now. Love that jerk with the love of Jesus and serve him with an attitude of humility. Because God's will is a who before a do and a why before a what. God is concerned about who you're becoming and why you're doing what you're doing. See, many of us think about pleasing God in moments like this. And I want you to know that pleasing God doesn't happen in just a few moments. It's not just two or three big decisions that we make in our lives and then we just keep rolling. No, it's a continual, everyday process of making decisions that sacrifice our will and embrace His will for our lives. Jesus put it this way. Then He said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple or my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So here's the reality. Some of us need to be like Jesus. Take up our cross and take the next step to becoming the person that he created us to be. Because you were made to become more. You were made to become something that ravages evil in this world. You were made to become a light that shines in the darkness. You were made to become somebody who is full of encouragement in life. You were made to become. But there's some assembly required. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.